Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is the podcast where we dive into all the questions about transitioning to your professional career and all those difficult unspoken topics. My name is Dr. Maria Scott, and I'm a PR professional and a professor. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is Season 4, Episode 2, and we are going to discuss Lazy Lucy. And I know you all are asking who is Lazy Lucy, but before we get that far, my co-host for this episode is Daniela. And before I let Daniela get too far into this, in previous episodes, we have discussed a lot of different parts of office relationships. Coworkers who are inappropriate, people who say weird things, just several different issues. So this time, I really think it's time for us to discuss Lazy Lucy. I am going to paint a picture for you, Daniela. And here is my picture. I feel like you have absolutely had Lazy Lucy's in your life before. So here's the person. This is someone who is at your office or in your class who does the absolute bare minimum at all times. And when I say bare minimum, it's almost like they're intentionally trying to do the least amount possible. So this is the person who all but is overt about it. And like, they don't raise their hand and be like, hey, like, what's the least I can do to still get by? But they will raise their hand and say like, oh, so if we just do this, that's acceptable. That is the lazy Lucy. The other things that this person will do is they'll make a million excuses why they can't do something. The boss says, hey, everybody has to come on Saturday. We have to be here at a certain time. This is the person who, oh, I can't get a babysitter. My traffic is a problem. My transportation's an issue. I just can't make that work. This is literally lazy Lucy. It's the person who probably puts in, I don't know, 40 to 50% effort at best. So my first question to you, do you know lazy Lucy? Definitely. I know way more Lazy Lucy's than I would like to admit and I would like to have in my life. I think it's unfortunate, but probably most of the Lazy Lucy's that I've met have been in classes where it's like super important to have people putting in at least bare minimum 95%. And I have people who are literally not, not even showing up, which is like, okay. And somehow, like the worst part is that whether it's in work or whether it's in class, they're still passing and they're still hired and they're still making money. And there's like all other of us and we're all like putting in like our life and our blood, sweat and tears into this work that we have to do. And we're getting the same grade or the same mm-hmm. like acknowledgement for showing up to class or the same pay, which is, oh, that grinds my gears. All right. Well, we'll cover that in a second. <laughs> I think the first thing we have to address, though, is the fact that every company, every class, every organization has Lazy Lucy's. They're everywhere. I've never worked anywhere that doesn't have a Lazy Lucy. And I feel bad saying this because I feel like when I've said it to students in the past, I sort of break their heart. And I'm like, look, you're going to have a Lazy Lucy you have to work with. I can literally see them be like, no. And I'm like, I don't have a good answer for this. You're going to have to figure out a way around it. So I think my question to you is knowing that, knowing that they're going to be everywhere, what do you do? My my instinct is to say I like work around them, quote unquote, but honestly, I ignore them because it's like the best thing that I could do probably. I'm like trying to imagine it and I simply, after having dealt with so many of them, the moment that I have a professor or a boss or someone that I work with tell me like, oh, we've got a lazy Lucy. I'm like, 
okay, great, like, now my day is ruined, and you know what, probably my week and my month and my year, if I'm going to have to keep working with them, unless I'm seeing them as little as possible, and I will, like, do the things that I need to do with them, but otherwise I'm avoiding them, because it's so much easier to get them out of my way, the way, whichever one you want to choose, um, but if I'm seeing them, I'm going to be constantly frustrated, which is going to affect me and the other people I work with, and they might be lazy Lucy, but I'm going to be the one that everyone's going to be like, what is wrong with her? And mm-hmm. I am acknowledging that there's a lazy Lucy and they don't know, then I'm just going to be like the frustrated one all the time. So right. probably avoiding and ignoring is my best bet. Okay. I mean, I think that everyone has options. You always have an option of how you can handle things. And I think it really just depends on the kind of person. So you can learn to live with and work around lazy Lucy's, like you said, you can literally work around them. You can do the work for them. Right. I see the like super <laughs> unhappy look on your face. So I feel like maybe for you, not an option. Uh, you can complain about them, overtly complain about them. I don't know that you would go that route either because I think you'd work up, worry about repercussions and like the overall effect of that. You can be a little two-faced where at work you're like, oh, Lucy, you're so great. And then at home you're like to your spouse or your significant other and your person, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to kill Lucy. Do you know what I mean? Like so, And I feel like to be fair, that's probably the most common if I'm being really honest with you. I think that that's the one where your friends and family are almost like, oh my God, Daniela, please stop telling us about Lucy. Like <laughs> we can't hear about Lucy anymore. You can try to help Lazy Lucy. You can try to like make Lazy Lucy your project. I don't know that I've ever seen that one be super successful. All of these are valid options. In most of these, Lazy Lucy isn't really going anywhere. So you're not going to see like Lazy Lucy there one day and then a month and a half later, you're going to see that person leave. So let's do an option where Lazy Lucy isn't going anywhere. You know you have to make something work. Are you still sticking with that avoidance plan? Or are you going to shift? What do you really think that you would do knowing that the person's not going anywhere? If I know they're not going anywhere, I'm going to be honest. Even though I made a face, my first initial plan is probably going to be like, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to do it. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I feel like that works for everyone who decides they're going to do that for just a certain time. Because eventually, like, you Mm -hmm. have your own plate. And if you're holding the other things that you want to put on your plate and then the plate that you didn't even choose to have, mm-hmm. then when you eventually like trip over your own feet, how many things are crashing? Right. And so that only lasts for so long. So probably if I have to make something work, if I'm not able to do their work, I'm going to do my best to make them do their work. And that means like if it's for a class or like work meetings, how many in-person work meetings can I make required and how many <laughs> like in-person meetings how many work days how many things can I do to make sure that they are doing the absolute bare minimum because they are required there because that means that like at least I'm not carrying a whole plate maybe I'm carrying like a little like sandwich bag full of things to do for them but that's just like the only thing I can think of where I wouldn't like gnaw my fist after okay well I love your analogy so I'm going to stick with that in your instance I think the best you could hope for in that case would be First of all, it kind of sounds to me like you're babysitting Lazy Lucy. So fundamentally, as a supervisor, I may have a bit of a problem with that. You don't have the right to demand that Lazy Lucy show up to these extra meetings. And that can create a problem, right? It can create a little bit of a dynamic shift. So that can be an issue in and of itself. The other thing that I will say is you may 
find that, like you said, carrying those couple plates may become problematic. So your solution was let Lazy Lucy do their minimum and then I'll just do my like, you know, the take home swan that they make out of tinfoil. So now you're going to have your plate, maybe the extra stuff you piled onto your plate. And then in the other hand is going to be the take home swan. The great part about when you if you fall and you misstep, yes, your plate is crashing down, but that swan's just going to glide nicely to the floor. It's not going to create a problem. So Lazy Lucy's work isn't going to be the work that suffers in that instance. That becomes a different problem for you. And you're right. Most people can only tolerate that for a certain period of time. So I think that for you or for most of the people listening to this, let's work through how you actually work around a Lazy Lucy, right? I would say you need to make a plan. Believe it or not, Lazy Lucy already knows the minimum. You do not have to point that out. They have spent their entire life crafting this elaborate way to do the bare minimum and still get paid the same and the same grades and everything else. So Lazy Lucy already knows what the bare minimum that that person has to do is. What you have to figure out is, can you trust Lazy Lucy to do those bare minimum pieces? Or do you have to try to manipulate the situation and shift in other things that you can trust them with? So for example, if right now Lazy Lucy's like, oh, I'll do the drafts of, of all the writing. But you're like, well, no, that doesn't help because the drafts are not usable. So everything you're doing isn't usable to us. At least if you can give them something that when they produce it, it's still usable then you're kind of in business. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be end quality, but at least it's something that then you can take on and you can fix later or your team can, right? And so I think that the critical part of this is not trying to add the appropriate amount of work to their plate. If they're really set on being a lazy Lucy, we're not probably going to be able to change them. The thing is, how do we harness the minimum amount of work that they're willing to do to actually be a benefit to the rest of the real workers? so that it doesn't hold us back or change things up for us, right? I will be honest with you. Not only will I say that every company has a Lazy Lucy, I'm pretty excited if I can figure out how to harness a Lazy Lucy's minimum amount of effort, because then at least I can justify how they're still making money or how they're still here. Do you know what I mean? Like then I'm at least, well, they're contributing something. They're not just taking up oxygen and taking up space. So... How do you feel about a plan like that? In all honesty, I feel like at the beginning, it's going to be super hard for me to relinquish like even the minute responsibilities because my thing about Lazy Lucy's is that if they're doing the bare minimum, they've proven that they don't want to put in extra effort. So like, even if it's as something as minimum as like logistical work, where it's like you don't really need to put in your own creativity and mind into it and it's simply like, here is the task, there's literal instructions, you can do this, it'll take five minutes. I'm going to be like, are they even going to do that? So I feel like that's what I would have to start off with. And it would be really hard for me to do that. But I think that's what I would have to start off with before even giving them things like writing. Um, like for me, if I'm going into like PR, so like press release, I wouldn't even trust them with a memo at first. Like I feel like the bare minimum thing is going to be logistics, which to be fair, might be nice if they learn how to do it because that's five minutes that I don't have to do. So I I see the plan right? and I could see it happening after some like kicking and screaming internally from me. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think, so 
my aim in this plan was never to have them go back to drafting things because again, that's stuff they're not, we're not using. But like, for example, if the person can pull media lists or the person can pull media like hits and stuff like that and create the initial report. And then all I have to do is go in and like clean the, like the final report to me that at least something that they're doing is still useful. Cause then it's the 15 minutes, like you said, that I'm not having to make that list or I'm not having to pull that report. So to me, like I can do something like that. Having them draft something, I don't. I still know that I would ever have them do. So I hear you on that. And it's not for me. It's not a trust thing. It's more of a like, how much work does this really put back on my plate at the end? Because then to me, it's not carrying a bunch of plates. It's literally juggling them and shifting them around. And that's almost worse to me. Like I, at least when you're carrying them, you can get stable and you can figure out how to do this. But when you're shifting them around, like I'm not a juggler for a purpose. Like. If I wanted to do that, I would have joined the circus years ago, but this isn't my my choice in life. So I don't know that I want to start doing that now, but let's shift and say that this is the newest hire on your team, right? And now this is someone who potentially we can get rid of Lazy Lucy, which is, isn't part of the initial system, right? So knowing that it's someone who perhaps because they're new, because they're ha perhaps they're still in that 90 day evaluation period or that review period where eliminating someone from the staff is significantly easier than when that person's been there for five, six, seven, 10 years, whatever. What do you do then? Like, what do you think you would, what your plan would be? Well, honestly, if they're in their first 90 days, I don't know if it's because I'm, maybe I'm naive, but I, I would want to see if like the lazy Lucy is something that is like, if they if, like deep rooted in them, or maybe they just like have no idea what's going on because like sometimes it's that, uh, I feel like there's a difference between it being your newest hire and it being someone who's been there for three years and they're still like, they're getting the same like pay raises for working there an extra year and stuff like that. If it's like someone new, I would like to see if like once like sat down and explained like this might have been how you moved like at your like internships before, but now that this is a real job, like things need to move a little faster. And like, honestly, once you get into a work it, like environment, I'm, assuming that things get a little more sharp is what I like to call them. Like you mm -hmm. have to toughen up your skin a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if they can take that and like see change within the next, I think it's like a three, four week period. So like a month evaluation. Awesome. If not, then I feel like that's a really good time to establish a really good connection in HR or with your boss <laughs> to chat with about this newest hire. Okay. All right. So that's, that's a solid plan. I think you're probably more forgiving than some people would be in the sense of like, I think most of us can tell pretty quickly when someone's a lazy Lucy, because that person's still going to be the one who is interested in doing the least amount of work projects all the time. So I'm imagining we're sitting in a boardroom like we are now. Every table is or every seat is currently filled and we're divvying out who's doing what. And even though, yes, this person's new, that person should be wanting to raise their hand and do as much as possible to learn as much as possible. And when you see the behavior that that person's like, someone says, oh, we have to just check to see if the interns media lists are appropriate and this person's like oh i'll do that and every time you see that this person is always picking up those like minimal you know those minimal opportunities that's really when i think we have to ask ourselves like what really is the contribution of this person right so i think having a strategy is the best like technique I would say I'm all for, I don't want to bury Lazy Lucy. I don't think it's fair to like go on a mission to like give them as much as possible so we can demonstrate their failure. I think that they're going to do that all on their own. 
Um, but I do think that this is the opportunity to make sure that the work is equitable. So if I have a certain amount of work and you have a certain amount of work, there's no reason, and you and I are the same level, I have no problem making sure that Lucy has that same amount of work. And then at the end of the day, when that person's not getting their stuff done, I think it is like a glaring, obvious thing. Do you know what I mean? So suddenly, Lazy Lucy's the person who, I mean, if if this was way back in the day and we were all pack mules, you and I have like all these bags hanging off of us and Lazy Lucy has like two pillows on each side. You know what I mean? Like this is not an equitable distribution of work. And I think that that's what can demonstrate over time. But your best shot of not having Lazy Lucy stick around is if you don't coddle them from the beginning. It's almost if you throw them into the fire, let's see how they do. Let's see if they're willing to rise to the occasion. And that first 90 days is tough because like you said, a lot of people will say, oh, I didn't know and I didn't whatever. But again, I'm kind of the of the philosophy that this is your first job or this is you're coming into this team new. This is your moment to like shine and hustle and show us what you can do. Not your moment to like sit in the back and lay back and be like, yeah, like I'll just do whatever people assign me. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like this is your moment to be like raising your hand for everything. And so I don't know, like I feel like over time your supervisors would see that Lazy Lucy was really a Lazy Lucy. Do you think that? My thing with it happening over time, like I hear you and I am understanding you. It's just that, so let's say you're in like a PR agency or even if you're working like corporate or something like that, if you are in work and like you're giving this person equal amounts of work, maybe not even equal. Cause like, let's say I'm, I'm an Uber overachiever and this is a place where everyone is an overachiever. Let's say you're giving them like, not even the bare minimum, but like what's expected. If you like wait it out for like your boss or whoever to see that they are not doing what the what's expected of them, then that affects the work that like you're all supposed to be doing. And that's like what grinds my gear, especially in things like classes or in like collaborative work settings is that if you have to wait for someone else to see it, even if you're not involved in that like project that they are working on, it is like a reputation of your group whether mm-hmm. it's a group work in class or whether it's your group, like your company name or something like that. Mm-hmm. If their work falls, either you have to pick it up eventually or it goes really, really poorly and that like tarnishes the name of like your entire like, company or like name of your brand or whatever. And that's what like really frustrates me because it gets to a point where I feel like outside people are like, oh, like you're coddling them because you're doing all the work. And I'm like, I'm not trying to coddle them. I'm just trying to make sure that it gets done. Right. Yeah, no, I I see your point. And I mean, I've been in so many work situations where our lazy Lucy was going to do that. They were going to damage our reputation or they were going to cost us something. And I think it really comes down to like, you know, how, what's the end result for me? You know what I mean? And, and when I say that, I kind of relinquished a long time ago that I can't change the world and I can't control everything, despite my best efforts. Um, so really what it comes down to for me is knowing that I can't do that, knowing that I only have so much say, what in the long term is going to create the situation for me back to your plate analogy. How do I make this work? If I have two doggy bags on this arm and a plate on this one, can I manage that better than if I'm trying to, you know, constantly be moving around and juggling six different plates that are moving all the time. So maybe more stability for me is better. And I know I can manage that. I think that sometimes supervisors, and I think it all depends on the person and what they want to see. 
I had no problem letting the Lazy Lucy's in my life fail, knowing that there would be enough time to fix it before it damaged our reputation. So I'm going to let them fail in front of our boss and in an enclosed environment, but I'm not going to let them fail to where it's going to impact our relationship with the client or it's going to impact our relationship with like outside people who are then going to make that judgment about us, right? And I had been in companies long enough to know those timelines, right? So knowing that, I mean, if when I was a reporter, I had a Lazy Lucy that I worked with and we wrote on deadline every night. (laughs) This is a whole new problem right? Our deadline's midnight. It literally has to be to the editor before midnight. So that means that editor is now turning it around. We had a Lazy Lucy who was a slow writer. They covered the minimum amount possible. Their writing was not really poor, but their writing was really generic and, and vanilla cracker, like vanilla wafer, saltine cracker, boring. And some news is like that, but sports isn't, you know what I mean? And I was a sports reporter and here this person comes in and the unfortunate part was our editor wasn't patient and wasn't teaching them how to get better. So I don't know that this person was a lazy Lucy by choice. If the person was a lazy Lucy, because that's just, they couldn't do better and they didn't know how, but over time, knowing this person was clearly not going anywhere was someone who we only used for certain things. Now the question became, if I'm working the same time, this person's working, I'm going to ask that person, don't run your story up until midnight and then turn it in. Finish your story by 1115. That gives me 45 minutes as a fellow reporter because my name is on that paper too. My byline is on that paper too. And I don't want to go to a game and have them be like, oh, saw that crappy thing that happened the other day. By the, you know what I mean? Like I'm the face out there, right? So I was like, man, I got to figure this out. So I would sit next to that journalist, that other person who was newer than me, who didn't know as much. And I said, look, like, I'm going to edit this before it goes to the editors. What's another word we could use for this? You know what I mean? And the person was like, wow, it's like I have to be a thesaurus. And I was like, cool. Like, if you want to call it that, no problem with it. And I was like, in fact, I'll buy you the thesaurus or I'll, I'll let you borrow mine. And I was like, but the more that we can fix this, the better it becomes and the person never became superstar Susie. They That was never going to be in their thing. But at least they were like toe the line Tory. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they were just part of our team and they're doing what they can as opposed to being a lazy Lucy is a drag. Do you know what I mean? That person is a drag on resources. And I was like, I just need to get the person from lazy Lucy to toe the line Tory and we're good. You never have to become superstar Susie, right? And this person happened to work within that and they did it. And it was great because we were able to move that person out of that. Not every Lazy Lucy is ever going to do that. But again, I felt like if I could just harness the Lazy Lucy's to not be a drain on me or a drain on our resources or reflective to the client, then I had a better system. Now, in terms of it being unfair, let's address that. So do you believe it's unfair? It's so unfair. And I think you giving the example of it being like your name on that like byline of that paper that's like the thing that really gets to me and i don't i really don't mean to be like egotistical or something but i i don't want to call myself a superstar susie but i will admit that i'm an overachiever i won't say that i'm always the best at everything i know people who do like way better like graphics than me or can write like a way more collected like press release but i know that i will be there and turn it in with way like sufficient amount of time in order to edit it and make it the best. It's Mm -hmm. not immediately going to be the best. My brain doesn't work like that, but I know I'll give myself enough time because I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that like, 
people who also like identify with this like overachieverness identify with the fact that they will do the things that other people don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Lazy Lucy's taking advantage of that without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And because it, it's just like, especially if you're in an environment where you're surrounded by people who do that, which I'm assuming is what happens when you're hired into a very good company, you're surrounded by people who want to do the things that other people don't want to do, or they want to do the work because that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. And Lazy Lucy's, they're like, oh, it's fine. Other people are going to do it. And you know what? You're right. I am going to do it. But that doesn't mean that it's fair that you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's disregarding to the people who are doing the work. And I don't want to tarnish my reputation, not because it's like the world to me, but because I know that I put an effort to do this work. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be bad work, I want, it, I want it to be coming from me, not from someone else's bad work. Because right. I can fix my own work and I can reshape it. I don't know what you're doing over there. I don't want any part of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I hear you on the unfair part. And I think that like, and I I never want to be Debbie Downer when we do these conversations. (laughs) So just for clarification, in this episode alone, we have had Debbie Downer, Lazy Lucy, Toe the Line Tori, and Superstar Susie. I never want to be Debbie Downer when I'm talking to this audience or to you. But the reality on my end is, I hate to say that phrase of life, life isn't fair, it's not. In some of these instances, it's it's a really hard pill to swallow. And I'm not saying it should feel good. I'm not saying you should enjoy swallowing it. Where I'm going with this is saying that like it's hard because if you if you spend your time spiraling about it and thinking about Lazy Lucy, eventually that friends and family group that's just tired of you complaining about Lazy Lucy, they're going to tell you one of two things, either get over it or fix it. Right. But you can't keep complaining about it because it just makes us miserable. And we don't even know Lucy and we don't like Lucy. Do you know what I mean? So I think that there is a part of it there where we have to be really careful about how much effort we expend being like unhappy that it's unfair that lazy Lucy's exist and get those same grades or get that same money and the same benefits and promotions and stuff. Typically, what I will tell you at least in my experience, which again is sadly about 25 years. And I say sadly because it just reminds me how old I am. But if we're looking at it, I don't know that a lot of Lazy Lucy's are always promoted really high. And we can do a whole other episode at some point about like the Peter principle, which is essentially you get promoted until you're ineffectual. Lazy Lucy's typically don't get that. The reason is because at some point people aren't going to trust them to do those higher level things because it's clear And it's glaringly obvious that they are doing the bare minimum, but getting rid of someone who isn't actually committing like a party foul, you know what I mean? Or isn't actually doing something that's against HR, firing someone just because they're a low level worker or they don't participate as much is border. You can't do it, you know, and that's where, you know, having a friendship with HR is important, but that person's going to have that bad news for you too. And they're going to come back and be like, Hey, Daniela, like it sucks. And we're super sorry but there's really nothing we can do. This person, they're not actually ethically doing anything. They're not actually creating anything that has a fact error in it or a problem or something like that. Just because they're a lazy Lucy isn't giving us enough grounds to let someone go. Now, again, as coworkers and colleagues, we can a little bit make it to where a lazy Lucy has like a miserable existence. And I'm not saying to be mean to the person. I'm saying you keep assigning them all the same amount of work. They continue to fail. In some instances, lazy Lucy's take themselves out of the situation because they just don't want to do that. And they can go someplace else where they can manipulate the situation and be a solid lazy Lucy there. The other thing you have to be careful about, and this is probably something where 
you demonstrate this more. And I don't mean you personally. There's a collective you. There's other yous. But lazy Lucy's are particularly attuned to finding enablers. So they can go into an organization and look around and spot the human and be like, hey, you, you're a lazy Lucy. You know, I'm a lazy Lucy. You're my enabler. Like, I know you. You know what I mean? And that's the thing with you that you're going to find is they're going to know, oh, if I don't do it, Daniela will pick up the slack for me. And I think the problem with that is that's almost on your end, you're almost enabling them to continue to be a lazy Lucy. And you don't mean to. And I know your reputation's at stake. And I agree with all those other things. But my point here is like, they're going to find that and they're it's like a heat seeking missile. And they're going to be like, wow, this is someone who I know will always fix my wrongdoings, you know? And so I think we have to be a little careful. Like people don't necessarily see that in me. They don't see me as necessarily someone who's going to enable them. They see me as someone who's going to protect my reputation and the reputation of the brand. But I don't know that they're like, oh, we can take advantage of this person. So I think that that's something that you can also work on over time. How do I give off enough of a professional attitude that my work matters to me, but I'm not going to enable you to be whatever it is that you are that's going to bring our reputation down, you know? So on that note, any final words or questions or thoughts? I think my final question would be in terms of like letting people fail, if you're setting them up for failure, does that like impact you in the long run too? Because if, even if it's like internally, Mm -hmm. like I know that there are things that I can do, like if I'm going to give them this work, should I also be giving them like checklists, like making sure you're doing this? Or is it like, here are all the things that I've been doing. You have to figure it out at some point and I cannot keep walking you through it. Or is it truly just like, here's a step-by-step. You cannot mess this up. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I think it depends again, kind of, it's a little bit on the culture. And, you know, I'm personally someone who, if I'm going to give you the rope and let you hang yourself and let you do, do you know what I mean? Like all of these things to kind of show your incompetence, I'm going to make it as easy for you as possible to do that. So I'm going to give you the step-by-step instructions. And then when you still can't do it, there's no excuses. You're not going to come back and say, well, I didn't know how, or I didn't know it was going to take this long. Like mine look like baking instructions. Turn oven on. Let it preheat for this time. Take these ingredients out of the cupboard. Open container. Pour container in. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it to where I'm kind of idiot proofing it. And then the thing is, those instructions apply to every time we do the same routine thing. You better keep those instructions. Or the first couple times, I'll just always reprint it out for them and then hand it to them and be like, here, same instructions as last time. I just printed it out in case you forgot yours. But I'm going to make it to where there is no reason for you to fail except for your own failure. And then when you do, because eventually they will, then it's just a matter of when, you know, in an instance where this actually happened, this is everything I did. Set the person up, gave them as many instructions as possible, printed things out, showed them how we've done this, whatever. The person failed. So my boss came back to me and said, hey, like, I hate to have you have to step in and save this person. But this person failed. We obviously can't have a media guide with spelling mistakes. We can't have it come out late. We can't have a page missing. I don't know how you have a page missing, but like they had a page missing. So how do you fix these things? I knew that this was going to fail. I knew that when we gave them these little things over time, at some point this was going to fail. So the dam broke. It failed. My boss came back to me and said, I'm sorry to ask this. You need to step in. You need to go and account for this and fix this, which I was able to do. We got it out on time. I fixed all the mistakes. And I even went back and made it a learning lesson. I took their version of the media guide 
and red highlighted all the things that I had to fix. And I was like, here, here's all the stuff that you, even with extremely elaborate, excruciating details, this is all the stuff that you still got wrong. And I said, you know, and the person came to me and said, like, I don't know what I should do. And I said, I think you need to ask yourself, like, are you capable of handling this and really have like a thought process of this? And the person came back eventually and said, like, no, this probably isn't my forte. This isn't what I should be doing. So they like self-eliminated. Now, that again, that's not always going to happen. This person may come back and say, well, I can't be doing C and D, but maybe I can do A and B over here. And my answer to them is, you know what? I don't have a problem with you doing A and B, but you better do the best A and B possible. Because all of us are doing A through D and you're asking to just do A and B. So I think the part in here where you have to come to a justification of like, this sucks, you know, this is not fun for me. What do I have to do? I think when you come to the final realization and we went to that person and we said, you know, how is that fair to the rest of us? I don't know that everyone really is going to say like, no, I still think that that's fair. And I think that that's where you have to start to ask yourself, like, am I okay being someplace where they're totally fine letting Lazy Lucy continue to do A and B, where the rest of us are expected to do A through D? And I can't answer that question for you. I can tell you that if you think the grass is greener and the next place you're going to go isn't going to have a Lazy Lucy, that's not going to be the case. You're going to find them everywhere. The question becomes, does everything else work well for you and is it worth it? So I think that wraps up our episode pretty well. We can always have more conversations and we can always talk about the Peter Principle down the road too. So join us next week for another episode of the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. Thanks for joining us for the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. Click in our description and visit the website to see our upcoming topics so you can submit your unspoken questions. Connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Postgrad Cheat Sheet.